Welcome to Locked On NBA Draft. I'm Leif Tulin, and with me today is my co-host Richard Stamen, who is in the he, he's in the health and safety protocols. But how are you doing today? You know, uh, I I got COVID. It's been relatively light. I had a pretty bad sore throat and then a little bit of shortness of breath and cough. But uh, thankfully, I've taken the precautions. Everything has been just fine. I'm getting over it, but limited partic- participation for me. A little bit of brain fog and then. Just not able to talk a whole lot today, but looking forward to this. Well, I'm glad you made it. We got a, we got a team player here, a, a true champ, a PTP, as Dickie V would say. Um, but but thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. As a new host myself, it, it, the support means a ton to me, and we're both very grateful for your support. Today, we'll be reviewing the Big 12 SEC Challenge we previewed for you last week, which produced some awesome matchups, both from a draft perspective and from a college basketball fan perspective. And then we're, we're going to get into pre, uh, discussing some prospects, two very different prospects with similar skill sets, and a freshman from Michigan State in Max Christie and a senior from Kansas, Ochai Agbaji. And lastly, we'll preview this week of college basketball action, featuring Alabama versus Auburn, Baylor at Kansas, Duke at UNC, and more. On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All righty, let's get right to it. The Big 12 SEC Challenge is always one of my favorite weeks of the year. Produced a great Saturday for me. I'm sure you watched a lot of basketball as well. Was there any game that stood out to you? Because I've got one, but I'll turn it over to you first. Tell, tell me what game stood out to you and your thoughts on the challenge as a whole. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the hometown bias here. I was supposed to be at the TCU game. Obviously, with COVID, I couldn't make it. I didn't want to make others at risk. Um, that game was incredible. TCU, LSU, Tari Eason was the standout player for LSU as well as Eric Gaines. I know Mike Schmitz was there, and then Mike Miles showed out yet again. Uh, just an absolute massive game between three top 60 prospects in mind. What about you? Yeah, I, I think I have to go with Kentucky and Kansas, which is which is the blue blood marquee matchup. They highlighted on ESPN that they're the two winningest programs in college basketball history. All that aside, what stood out to me is how good Kentucky can be when they get production from a player that's not Ty Ty Washington or Oscar Shibway. Um, Kellen Grady was firing all cylinders. Keon Brooks had a career high 27. Their defense looked unbelievable. Ty Ty Washington was still limited from his ankle injury. And that really showed me that Kentucky could be a final four contender. I wasn't sure if I believed in that beforehand. And now I do. They were swarming on defense. They made it very hard for a guy we're going to discuss later in the episode, Ochag Baji, to get shots for himself. Um, Kansas may have a point guard issue is another thing, but that was an awesome one. And then Baylor, we previewed this a couple weeks ago, Baylor and Alabama. We talked about how, one of the one of these two teams had the best guards in the country. LJ Cryer was out, so I want to preface that that it wasn't a full um, quartet of guards for Baylor. But we said a while ago, and I'll be the first to admit this: I, I said that Baylor was the best com, uh, combination of guards the way they play basketball together. But Alabama's got a better individual collection of guards, and I think Alabama's guards outplayed Baylor's. That said, LJ Cryer was out. What did you make of that game? Because Alabama's got quite a resume in terms of wins, but then you flip the script and they've got quite a bad resume in terms of losses. Yeah, J.D. Davison, I think, 
was explosive in this game because of the guard play on Baylor's end. Um, you know, I think he went six of nine, something like that. He was getting to the rim at ease, beating his man off the dribble. And I think a lot of that had to do with a shortened guard rotation. Obviously, you know, J.D. Davison isn't the best guard defender, so it wasn't a big difference on that. Um, but ultimately, I did I, – I forgot that Cryer was out. I, I really didn't even register it. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, Aquino was good. Uh, they got some good playmaking, I think, from Kendall Brown. They got some good opportunities from him and Sohan. Um, they did miss Cryer, though, and that's where on the collegiate level they, they need him as games like that. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Alabama had good performances from a few guards. Javon Kinnerly led the way with 20 points on 6 of 10 shooting, 3 of 6 from 3. Shackelford scored 19 points. I mean, that's 30 point, 39 points from your, your two guards in the starting lineup. They also have bench, and you talked about J.D. Davison, who I think may have had the most impressive game of all three of them, came off the bench, 14 points and 6 of 9 shooting, like you said, 5 assists. He's an electric player. He just plays with an energy and a dynamism. I do want to ask a quick question about some Baylor prospects. We've talked about them before. Kendall Brown and Jeremy Suhan. He, both of them had good games. Uh, Kendall Brown, 10 points, five rebounds. Jeremy Suhan off the bench, 17 points, eight rebounds. Talk to me about where you have them on your board tentatively and just things that people that are listening to this can gain from just watching them as players and what they can bring to an NBA level. Yeah, Kendall Brown is still safely in my top 10. He's at number 10, but I really struggle to see him dropping out of that top 10 just because he's that glue guy. I think he's, I tweeted this on Monday that, you know, he's that Isaac Okoro of this class where he doesn't have a crazy usage. He's not going to be your primary guy, but he is a glue guy that puts it together and he helps young teams elevate themselves from rebuilding to that play-in, playoffs team. Like he's going to have the Isaac Okoro role uh, year one, year two, the same way Okoro is. And then Sohan, um, he is a little bit lower on my board only because I know he's so raw and he'll probably climb. Right now he's number 36, but I don't expect that to be even close to where he finishes. Uh, I just want to see the shooting consistency. I think he has good good enough form where it's projectable. He just has zero confidence in that shot and feels like little touch, which is kind of concerning. Yeah, I think that's a good point. That is one knock on Sohan. I actually have him pretty high. I've got him just outside my lottery because I believe in the athletic traits that he, when he's on the court, things happen that most players can't do. Kendall Brown is the same way. And when he's on the court for a team in Baylor, who I think is one of the best teams in the country, typically they start to play better as a team. I really believe in that as a player that won't be a star necessarily. You want to make your team better. And I think he's someone that elevates the team. He's tall, he rebounds well, and he, he runs like a deer for someone at his size. So two players that are interesting. Anyone else from the – you mentioned Mike Miles. We talked about the, the marquee matchups. Auburn, number one in the country, played uh, Oklahoma, and there were a few other good matchups. Were there any other matchups and or prospects that stood out to you from the Big 12 SEC Challenge? Yeah, Tyrese Hunter, uh, one of the more inconsistent freshmen, but absolutely a prospect. Um, he had a pretty big game. I, I can't remember what the stat line was exactly. I just remember that he was playing defense. He was getting to the rim. He was splitting def uh, double teams and everything like that. That really stood out to me. Uh, and then, honestly, this one's such an underrated player. I don't know if he actually ends up getting drafted ever, considering he's a six-foot off-ball guard, but he's probably top three shooter in the country. Nigel Pack at Kansas State. I mean, that dude goes off. He has no dip in his jump shot. Super quick. Um, he is 42% now from three, 89% from the line. Like he can, he can pretty much get any shot off at any spot with any range. 
And someone is going to like that. Even though he's only six foot, someone's going to fall in love with that. And, you know, he'll get a summer league training camp invite. And probably what will ultimately happen is thrive in Europe. But for Kansas State, he's a massively important player for them. Speaking of shooting, I have one question about a player that can shoot the lights out, maybe even better in the top three. You mentioned top three shooter for Nigel Pack. I'm with you. Um, Kellen Grady for Kentucky is shooting 44% from three. He's taken, he's improved about five and a half percent since uh, transferring from Davidson to Kentucky. That typically goes the opposite way. When you transfer up to a major school, much less Kentucky, you typically are going to drop in percentage. He's gotten better. He opens the floor up for Ty Ty Washington, Severe Wheeler, and Oscar Shibway uh, helps open that up for him. Is there any team that's going to take him and be like, hey, you can be our Duncan Robinson. You can be a guy like Duncan Robinson who you fly off screens and you shoot, and that's a desired skill. Do you have any feel on that? Yeah, I mean, he's one of three guys I feel like that have been identified uh, as that next Duncan Robinson in this class. It's a pretty, I think, three Duncan Robinson candidates is pretty good for one draft. Uh, He is definitely one of them. I liked him at Davidson. Uh, Never really popped, but I think being at Kentucky against the high competition night in and night out in the SEC now, he's definitely got a chance to be in that role. I think he also would be undrafted. I'd be pretty shocked if he goes before 50 at best. But he is someone who could definitely be that Duncan Robinson role of this draft. Yeah, I watched him against Kansas, and his quick trigger with some height is hard to match. I got one player with with some height that can really shoot the ball. We've talked about at nauseum, but I have to mention him. That's Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith had quite another impressive game against Oklahoma. It was a defensive team. Like Porter Moser is known for playing good defense. That didn't stop Jabari Smith. He scored 23 points. Uh, made two threes, had 12 rebounds, two steals, a block. He's unbelievable. He does some things in that first half. Like that, that game became a blowout because of Jabari Smith. And that Auburn team's awesome. But Jabari Smith uh, just absolutely took over in this one stretch. One rip dribble to the left. His feet are basically facing the sidelines, splashes it, face up three, pump fake, goes to the rim, dunks it, gets a steal, throws an outlet pass, gets dunked. Like some of the stuff he does, if you don't watch – the full game you'll miss just just like the trivial stuff that's incredible but he has a flash every single game that you just can't teach and and i think it's what elevates him to my number one prospect right now or do you have any thoughts on jabari that have changed since we last recorded yeah i think jabari is always the the best way to start or end a conversation about the sec i mean you called him as the preseason sec player of the year it's very very good chance oscar tashibo is giving that a, a strong run for his money but Jabari you know like you said there are so many times where I just see his footwork and I'm like what are you doing like please stop and then he just brings a nothing but net he can hit at any angle like he's the one player where you know you don't worry about his footwork being off because you know he can counter it with how perfectly his elbow is aligned to the rim and just his touch and everything he never really messes that up two other players that stood out for me in this Walker Kessler um, he continues to be one of the best shot blockers in the entire country He went for 21 points, nine rebounds, four blocks on nine of 11 shooting, just cleaning up at the rim, even took some threes. He's someone who's climbing into that fringe first round range, still a little bit uncomfortable taking him there because he's so slow, but his recovery ability because of that length is so great. It's kind of a little bit contradictory. And then just a quick shout out, like you said, Oklahoma plays great defense. I think a big part of that is transfer from Duke, fifth year senior, Jordan Goldwire. He had 19 points, three steals, three rebounds, four assists. And he had some really good contests. I know he contested Jabari Smith. He's one of the guys Jabari shot over. But I uh, really liked what Goldwire brought in. Oklahoma as a whole, you know, even though the game was an 18-point game, they weren't, like, 
I didn't feel like it was at any point they were outmatched, which says a lot about both teams. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with both those shout outs. We'll get back to speaking. We talked about some sharpshooters. We're going to be talking about some sharpshooters on the other side of this. But first, I want to tell you about TurboTax. TurboTax, we all have unique lives. Whether you invested in crypto for the first time this year, own an up and up small business, uh, up and coming small business, or raising rambunctious twins. Luckily, TurboTax has experts who can answer your tax questions, walk you through the whole process, or do your taxes for you from start to finish, no matter your unique situation. To TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes into it, TurboTax. We could all use that in our lives uh, to help us out do our taxes. And then this episode is uh, presented by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to find your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating um, intimidating tasks? Questioning, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind you, behind the counter, orders the parts for their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Uh, Rock Auto saves you time and money, and, and I encourage you to, to visit Rock Auto and find the right parts for you. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, and even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership when Rock Auto will give you quality products in an affordable manner? For example, the Honda, Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store and is only $216 from Rock Auto. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On and How Did You Hear About Us and their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All righty, guys. Welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. I'm Leif Tulane filling in in the host seat for my man Richard Stamen, who's playing injured. Team player right there. Speaking of team players, we got we got two players on two teams with, with big aspirations, and that's Michigan State's Max Christie, freshman guard, and Ochag Baji that we wanted to compare to one another, though they're very different players. They bring one unique skill set that uh, I think NBA scouts will drool over, and that is ability to shoot the ball. Give, give me your take on both these guys. Yeah, uh, Oche Baji, someone who I feel like I've been pretty high on for the entirety of his college career at Kansas. My one concern is I, I really thought he would develop into a little bit more of a self-creator from his uh, first year. No pun intended being at Kansas under Bill Self. But, um, you know, he's someone who his jump shot is pure. I, I'm a big fan of guys that don't have a dip in their jump shot. It never goes below, you know, about chest level, um, the center of the chest. Ball really never goes there, never touches the belly button, anything like that. That's a really quick shot. And he can do that from anywhere. On the move, uh, spot up, just simple catch and shoot, bend your knees. He does it all. His jump shot form is great, super athletic, good frame, 6'6", six, six, long arms, um, good NBA body. The question is, can he defend that well? I think that'll be make him either a three and D or a three point specialist guy. And the, the gap is actually pretty big, especially contractually speaking. And then Max Christie, he's someone who I think is just oozing with upside to be almost a better version of Agbaji. Uh, just Agbaji, I think can do that sooner. Um, you know, he's 
got 36% from three. It's not quite as sexy as Oche Agbaji's 46%, uh, which is untouchable right now in the country. Speaking of best shooters, we talked about that last time. But I think Christie offers a lot more defense. That's really the separator for me is, I mean, I've seen him just stop drives well, be- well after the play should be dead. And to me, that's big for Max Christie. Yeah, I'm with you. Max Christie had an awesome game against Michigan. Michigan and Michigan State is often a hotly contested game. Max Christie ruled that first half. He had 14 of his 16 points in that game in the first half. That game became a blowout by midway through the second half. Uh, Michigan's on the down, but that's another subject. Max Christie showed a repertoire of shots that I didn't necessarily know he had at this stage. You saw that there was a, you'd think that there was an ability to create those shots. Uh, and he early in the season was missing with in and outs from three. He got his stroke back and he was shooting. I think he's won four big 10 freshman player of the weeks. That's pretty in- incredible. But it what was missing to me was shot creation. And he did that against Michigan who, whether you like them or not, and, uh, indisputably they've underperformed. They have athletes that make shot creation difficult. And yet he was able to get shots. He had this nice drive, two, two dribble drive to the right, spun around and a little turnaround jump shot, answered back with a one dribble three, got to the rim, threw down a nice dunk, showed off good athleticism. His knock right now is his body. Uh, he, he's very, very thin, He but he's 19 years old. He'll get stronger. That's someone I remain high on. I would be interested if he thought, hey, if I go back to school for one year and come out as a sophomore, how high he'd go. I still think he'll probably come out this year. And Agbaje, we've talked about him multiple times. This is a guy, don't overthink it. Like, he's he's a great shooter. And in my opinion, he's a very solid defender because he's got a 6'10 wingspan. On the college game, he looks bigger than all the guys he guards. And he typically guards the other team's best player. And when you guard the other team's best player and you're shooting 46%, I think it's fair to say you're a good 3 and D uh, candidate and you know he's played well in different molds for the, this Kansas team for four years now he came in as a as an unheralded recruit and came in and played very very well right away when he was supposed to have a um, redshirt year and he came in and balled out and now he's getting to thrive as the man and entering the year Remy Martin was the the big 12 player of the year and I remember we both tweeted about it I was like I don't know if he's the fourth best player in the team and Ogbaji has stepped up and said it's my team and Christian Brown's a great player. Jalen Wilson's a solid player. David McCormick's a solid player. I mean, Martin's a solid player. But it's his team. He's the man. He's not necessarily going to have that role in the NBA, but he's a desirable draft pick, in my opinion, because of all those traits of adaptability. Yeah, and obviously I would still take both of these guys first round. Like Oche Baji is someone I could see developing into like a Terrence Ross uh, kind of player where I, I – and I want to emphasize something. I do like his defense, just being a 3 and D guy where – I, I guess it's the way I define three and D is really the issue is he's a, like three and D to me is Robert Covington, Clay Thompson, the guys who are great at both. I think he's going to be good and passable on defense. I just don't see him being great like those. That's, that's just a phrasing issue, I guess. And kind of technicality on my end is those three and D I want to see be elite at both. Um, I think it's actually a pretty rare role, something that gets thrown around for anybody who can shoot a three, like just at a standstill, they get three and D if they have long arms. Right. Um, and I guess I'm very particular about that. So just to emphasize that, but like you said, Ocheg Baji is going to be capable on the defensive end. He's not going to fall off, you know, from, from guarding anybody. He's not going to get, you know, absolutely killed. He sometimes does get a little bit burned by quick guards, but so do a lot of other wings. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, I'm interested. Do you have an NBA draft or I'm sorry, like an NBA comparison for, uh, both these players? I don't have one prepared. I think one that 
I wouldn't say is lazy, but I don't know if it's all encompassing. We've, we've thrown this out before and that's uh, Desmond Bain because he's an older player. He shoots the ball well. Um, and he's, he's kind of a bigger body. Uh, I don't know if they're exactly one-to-one, but that's one I think of. And Max Christie, I'd have to think a little bit more, but think of a very good shooter. Um, and the one thing I will say, we, we talk about shooting metrics. Ogbaji's killing it from three-point range. He's only shooting 69% from the free throw line. Um, I'm not concerned about that. I know that's typically an indicator of people shooting. I just thought it was worth bringing up, and I think we're on the same page that he can shoot the ball. Yeah, I mean, Davion Mitchell struggling. I think he's the most recent example of high three-point percentage. He shot 45% last year and 60-something percent, but that was year over year. With Oche, like, yeah, it is also that, but also the difference of being like 65 and 70, which Oche pretty much hovers right below 70. It's enough where I can buy it. And, like, for me, it's always been if you're at, like, 72, that's at the swing mark. Like, that is the line. You don't want to be on the other side like Oche is. But it's close enough where I can say, hey, he's shooting 46%. And like I said, the form is so good. He doesn't dip. He, it, I've given you the reasons it's translatable. Um, and to me, that's that negates the free throw percentage. Because sometimes there's just exceptions to the rules. And I'm very quick to say that this could be an exception to the rule. Someone, I think, actually, by the way, that – um, could be another comparison for Oche. This just came in my mind. It's Ben Macklemore, what he's doing this year. Macklemore used to kind of be a bust also from Kansas, but uh, not really why I chose him, but just because this year he has developed so well into that three-point shooter with the beautiful form he has and has played a little bit of defense. Um, just wanted to shout that out there as well. Max Christie's a hard one. I was hoping you had someone. I, I didn't ask you beforehand. Um, I should have to give you someone else, but – I'm struggling to find someone who just seems really unique. I mean, he's what, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, um, can quickly explode out of catch and shoots into one dribble pull-up. Like, I'm I'm pretty high on him. I'm just looking through some of the top, um, top three-point shooters this year, and I really can't even pinpoint someone else that might, might be, you know, that level. Like, maybe – I don't want to say Cameron Johnson, but, like, that's someone who's in that mold. I think a little bit more well-rounded Cameron Johnson, who's a very good player, could be – someone like Chris Mass, uh, excuse me, Max Christie. Yeah. I'm, I can't quite think of one. Maybe we'll tweet it out after, uh, but we've got another segment for you coming up and that is pre uh, is previewing this week's slate of games. And this is a dandy of a docket of games, but first let me tell you about uh, betonline.net. There might be less football being played now, but betonline.net has way more odds and info for this playoff season. The Super Bowl's ahead of us. From score totals, player performances, props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. You can even bet on number one Auburn versus Alabama or this week's Big 12 showdown between Kansas and Baylor. Bet online has the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online, where the game begins, where the game starts. So we spoke of a, a dandy of a docket of games. I mentioned two of them in that read. We have Baylor and Kansas in the Big 12. We talked about those. So let's start in the SEC, who won the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Um, the SEC, there's two rivals, and that's Alabama and Auburn. They played once before. It was in Tuscaloosa. Auburn won that game, and I think that's when a lot of people nationally were like, okay, yeah, this is the team. I was on them a little early, 
Um, I think it was more just because I love Jabari Smith. So I watched them more than I think most people did at that point. But they're now the number one team. They survived a scare against Missouri. They beat Oklahoma handily. And now they play Alabama, who just beat Baylor. This is a great matchup. Take me through where your mind goes when thinking of this matchup. It's in, uh, it's at Auburn. Yeah, I mean, let's just start with the obvious. Um, Jabari Smith is going to draw whoever um, Alabama considers the best threat. But being 6'10", shot creator, you can't just put someone like Betty Ako on him. Uh, it makes it a little bit harder. I'm, I'm interested to see how they guard him. Uh, but that is obviously the matchup to watch. And then at guards, uh, you've got KD Johnson and Wendell uh, Moore um, to – or I'm sorry, Wendell Green. I, I had to, I went through out of my head. I'm like, don't say the wrong one. Don't say the wrong one. Uh, you got those two against J.D. Davison and Javon Quinterly and J.D. Uh, and, uh, and Shackelford and then Keon Ellis on the wings. There's just so many different matchups in this um, that I really do think someone random is going to have the biggest game and it won't be Jabari Smith. That's my hottest take for this. Yeah, I think a lot of what my mind goes to is does Alabama having a better backcourt matter more than Auburn having a significantly better frontcourt? And I think rebounding wise, it might be close, but I think the scoring punch that uh, Smith and Kessler can provide is going to be the advantage. I think Auburn's a crazy environment and Wendell green is one of the more underrated guards in the sec. Katie Johnson is like an energizer bunny gets the rack at will. I'm going to say Auburn wins this game. I know it's not terribly surprising that the number one team in the country, but Alabama's beaten all the top teams they've played. So I don't think that's the craziest, like most vanilla thing to say right there, but I expect a really good game. I'll be glued to this one. That, that's to, that's tonight uh, airing on ESPN at seven. And then let's get to that game. I, I mentioned real quickly, Baylor and Kansas. I think everyone thought these were the two teams in the big 12 right now. Both are what I would say is a bit of a slow patch. They're, they're both very good records, both top 10 in the country, but neither team is playing their best basketball right now. And Texas tech is creeping up in that big, uh, big 12 rankings there. Uh, what do you think about this one? This one's also at fog Allen Fieldhouse, which is a notoriously difficult place to play normally. And they just came off a loss. Yeah, um, I mean, you got the matchups again with Baylor. Um, you know, I I always want to say Baylor is just going to do the – like they're going to do what they should do. Um, but Oche Agbaji versus Kendall Brown, I mean, that's that's a draft matchup we've all been looking forward to. And we'll get it once more, if I'm not mistaken, unless that already has happened. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, like I, I don't remember uh, seeing a crazy amount of hype. And I'm looking this up now to – to make sure I don't still have this brain fog. But, uh, yeah, this is their first meeting. Kendall Brown versus Oche Baji is going to be massive. Like That is the matchup to watch. And then also Oche Baji versus Matthew Meyer. There's just a lot of shooters uh, going to face off against each other. I think one big test to look for is Matthew Meyer is one of the best interceptors in the entire country, and he's going to be looking to get forced turnovers for Baylor. Oche Baji's decision-making is going to be really tested against him in the passing lanes, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm very eager for this matchup. This is always one of my favorite ones. I think Baylor is going to win this one on the road, and that's because I think their guards are better at being true guards. I mentioned I'm not the biggest James Akinjo fan, but I think James Akinjo, LJ Cryer, assuming he's back, uh, Adam Flagler, who I love. I think he's an incredible shooter. Speaking of shooters, we've highlighted uh, Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer, James Akinjo are better than Dewan Harris, Remy Martin. And I, I think Christian Brown's good, but he's more of like a two, three. 
um, than he is a, a, a complimentary guard who's going to handle the ball and the pressure. Baylor's going to put you under, especially with Kendall Brown flying through passing lanes. Sohan coming back healthy. I'm going to lean towards Baylor in this one, trust my gut, but that's going to be an awesome matchup and it'll determine who's got the upper hand in the Big 12. And then uh, real quickly before we get out of here, let's talk about the best rivalry in college basketball, at least where my money's worth, and that's Duke and UNC. Duke's the only good team in the ACC, quite frankly, but I expect a good game just because it's the rivalry. Any any thoughts on that one? Well, as a uh, Miami fan, <clears throat> uh, only – no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you are right. I mean, they're the only ranked team in the conference uh, for a reason. Miami's the second best, and they beat Duke. Uh, obviously, you know, we're recording this Monday afternoon, so Notre Dame Duke hasn't happened yet. I assume Notre Dame isn't going to pull the upset at home. If they do put me on all takes exposed, I have COVID like you, what are you going to do? Bully me? Like, <laughs> but I mean, I fully expect the same thing. I think it'll be, it's going to be a great game. Let's start with the, the number one draft matchup is Trevor Keels versus Caleb Love. That's going to be a big, big test for Caleb Love as someone who hasn't top 30. I think, you know, if he does well against Trevor Keels, one of the best guard defenders in the country, he's going to be rising on boards. Um, if not, you know, he's going to keep falling and kind of just be on the, the edge. But ultimately, I think Duke does come out on top in this one. I think Duke has to be favored as the better team. One other one to watch is the the perimeter bigs of the fours, like Bancaro is going to play against like Brady Manick and Dawson Garcia. And then last last thing that I'll say about this one, then we got one more surprise matchup is uh, I think Mark Williams and Armando Baycott is, is a surprisingly, I'm not sure they're both draftable. Mark Williams certainly is. Baycott could get some options. He's a rebounding machine. Um, it's a good college basketball matchup at, from an individual standpoint. And Mark Williams is a good test for you, for those of people that have him near lottery versus those who have him towards the end of the first round. This is good litmus test there. And Richard, I'll, t- I'll leave it to you. Give, take me home on the best, the last matchup you got. Yeah, so actually this is a, a two-parter. Um, but really just the test that Scotty Pippen Jr. is going to be giving. I know this is way out there. I love Scotty Pippen. I have him top 60 for Vanderbilt. They play Kentucky, who he'll be facing off against uh, Ty Ty Washington, one of the very best and least turnover-prone guards in the entire country, let alone the entire draft. Scotty Pippen is a turnover-forcing machine, so I'm really interested to see how that uh, fares. And then also on Saturday, Vanderbilt gets LSU, against Eric Gaines, someone who had a great game at TCU and continues to be one of the higher upside sophomores in this class. Um, I'm very interested to see how Pippen does against them, though. And uh, I think Vanderbilt, even though they're not good, is worth watching for those two games. Like For me, I'm big on draft matchups and knowing the strengths versus weakness matchups. And I think this is actually very much a strengths versus strengths for everybody just about, um, especially Ty Ty versus Vanderbilt. And that game's today. Uh, against Kentucky, I believe maybe maybe that's Wednesday and I'm getting days thrown off. Uh, actually, it's tomorrow. It's Wednesday. Um, and Scotty Pippen versus Ty Ty, if, if Ty Ty has more than three turnovers, which he hasn't done since before Thanksgiving in a game, that would be very telling of how good Scotty Pippen is. I think you could take more from that than Ty Ty, but very interested to see those two games and just heavy draft matchup. Yeah, and I, I think we've mentioned Ty Ty Washington. This is the final point I'll make before we close out of this. Um, Ty Ty Washington is a pick and roll savant. He's separated himself from every other point guard in this class. Um, I mean, he was ranked not as highly as some of them. He's beyond exceeded expectations of mine and most. Uh, he's 
he's probably the best pick and roll operator we've had. I mean, Cade was better because he was jumbo size, but he, for a, like a short, a diminutively sized guard, he's one of the best pick and roll operators. He gets to his spots. And there's a metric that I, I don't have on me right now, but I think I tweeted it not too long ago for those of you who follow me. Uh, Ty Ty Washington gets to his spot, hits jump shots and floaters at an elite level and also is a great passer. And he's the key cog for Kentucky. When he's in the lineup, they were beating Auburn. And I'm not sure they would have won that game, but they were up and they just destroyed Kansas at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. So that that is something to watch and make sure you watch some Ty Ty Washington. And that'll do it for us. Uh, thank you for hopping on. Once again, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And we, we appreciate all the support. I'm Leaf Tulane and Richard Stamen, the trooper, has made it through. Uh, I appreciate you for making it through from the protocol. Um, thank you for joining us. And we'll be back with you guys next Tuesday. <laughs>